1: The two guys in a mic show. Another weekend gone by. Another week upon us. More hopes and dreams to be made on the week of uh, January 23rd. God bless you. The big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Producer extraordinaire David Olsen on the other side of the line. Not much to talk about, really, David Olsen. Kind of a slow sports day, but, uh, you know, while we're bored, we'll try to bring up uh, the death of one of the greatest coaches of all time. A victory by Newt Gingrich, Uh, two phenomenal championship football games yesterday, and a number one ranked college basketball team getting knocked off outside of that. Kind of a slow sports weekend, we'll do our best. We should mention, uh, speaking of number one uh, seeds and unbeatable teams getting knocked off early this morning. It was yesterday there, it was morning here, it was late night there, it was overnight here, whatever the heck time difference it was. But uh, if you're an Australian Open follower, I hate to break the news to you. But early this morning, and I think the big dog is on the line, the big dog, a big fan of Serena Williams. Serena Williams, unstoppable through her first three matchups, got defeated. Got beaten in round four by someone who I won't even try to pronounce her last name, but she played pretty well. Big dog, Joel Radwitzki, my partner, checking in. Hope you had a great weekend, dog, and uh, two phenomenal games yesterday. How are you, buddy?
0: Yeah, Two absolutely phenomenal games, Zeal. I don't know if I call myself a big fan of Serena, but didn't we all kind of see that coming right before the tournament? She's like, yeah, I don't even like tennis." Doing this because I make money at
1: it. Maybe before, but the way she played the first three matches and absolutely obliterated opponents. No, I I think many people were saying, you know what? She's gonna, she's just gonna walk through this thing. But uh, lost early this morning. Sorry to to wake you up on the bad side, my friend.
0: Yeah, well, I've been up since six fifteen this morning, so I'm surprised I. I went to bed last night at about eleven. That's the earliest I've been to bed since I think I've been seven years old. Wow. uh, Yeah, I was up at like 6.15 this morning.
1: Very impressive. Was the 11 o'clock sleep induced? Was it alcohol-related? Were you burnt out from uh, two long games of emotional tides and turns? Was it emotional overtones, or was there some uh, liquidity part of this factor?
0: Well, I I, I didn't really drink all that much yesterday, but I did have a a lot of uh, emotional reactions to the football game. And uh, I was supposed to have a lot of people here yesterday instead of only, uh, uh, like there was still a bunch of people here, but not like I thought was going to happen, Coach. I, I got to tell you something: the ups and downs. We had, it was like split evenly who was rooting for each team yep. during the game. I got to say I can't even imagine what it would have been like to have been a Raven and a Forty Nine er fan yesterday because to have lost the way they did, I mean, just like gut wrenching. If you're the Ra- if you're a Raven fan right in the middle of the third quarter, you had to have been like, we're going to win this game. We're playing better than the Patriots are now and then. Wow. All, they always say, oh, it always comes down to one play. Well, both of those games, there was, if one play changes, there's about ten different plays in both games that the other team would have won. Truly an amazing game. Uh, day of
1: championship football yesterday yeah, it was quality stuff no doubt about it our phone lines are open fans out there you watch the games you want to talk about it with the dog and the coach user-friendly sports talk radio that would that's what we call call ourselves 888-463-6748 the phone number again 888-463-6748 ravens do go down to new england big dub my only and they were great games emotional turns it was just you know Good quality football, fun to watch. The only minor negative is really both games in the end were not won. They were kind of lost on a, yeah, missed, a missed field goal and, and a fumble. You would have liked to have seen a great play to win the game, but both games were kind of you know, backdoor entries. But they were great games.
0: Yeah, I, I remember hearing right before like yesterday morning, watching Bill Parcells. I was like, oh, here we go again, Bill Parcells. But he was like, you know these games will be lost. There's going to be a goat today. He's like that's he's like, These are two great teams. That are going to play at a top level, so it's going to be somebody who ends up making the mistake that's going to be the difference. And he was right on both games. That's exactly what it was. Was you know, as much as we, we can point our fingers to a couple different people, yeah, let's like also say there was some phenomenal football being played yesterday, and it, it was kind of too bad. But, you know, like the, the Billy Condiff goats of the world, the Lee Evans goats of the world, you know, you can live with that. But if you're you're Kyle Williams, oh, my goodness, that's about wow. as bad of a day as a football player has had. Mm. You know, you make one gaffe, and people in San Francisco say, yeah, I understand stuff like that happens. You, you're you the GOAT. You had a bad game. Kyle Williams, go get him next year. But when you do two things like that, Coach, twice, it's – into you know, if you – like the best way I can put it is Lee Evans, And when he caught the ball for the Baltimore Ravens, it would have been about 12 seconds to go in the game, 22 maybe, and all of a sudden uh, Sterling Moore, a practice squad player for the Raiders that the Patriots picked up. This guy wasn't even going to make the Raiders uh, roster. Comes flying in with the right hand, knocks the ball out. You can say, Lee Evans, you should have better ball security. But when you look at Kyle Williams' coach, he wasn't carrying the ball properly. He wasn't high and tight. You know, if if you're carrying it perfectly properly and a guy comes flying in and and knocks the ball out, you can say, wow, that guy made a great play. Kyle Williams wasn't even holding the ball under his arm. He was holding it out. in the most, you know, it all comes down to fundamentals, doesn't it, Coach? The, the, The 49ers would be going to the Super Bowl right now if a young man decided just to listen to his coach and hold it high and tight.
1: I'm going to get back to Lee Evans, but, uh, on the Kyle Williams thing, you're absolutely correct. I mean, his first, I'm not going to say only thought, but first and foremost, and hopefully the coaches talk to him about this because they're going to get decent field position. San Francisco's defense was really stymieing the Giants. You know, Ooh, it was it overtime, but it was looking like Frisco was going to somehow pull it out. First and foremost, hang on to the football ball security. And gosh darn it, the poor kid didn't fumble. Uh, on the hit, you're right, he didn't handle the ball like he should have. And um, that was it. I mean, pretty much the Giants. I thought they were going to kick the field goal right at that moment, but it was that mistake in overtime that cost him the game, Kyle Williams. And, by the way, the son of White Sox general manager Kenny Williams, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, that is. He is. Mm-hmm. Oof. You, you know, it, it's funny. as you, you watch all these. Oh, this is a replay. Well, in 1990, the Giants, went into San Francisco, and obviously that was the San Francisco that had won two Super Bowls in a row, and they were a huge favorite. You know, and they show a play where Leonard Marshall pops the fumble out on Roger Craig, and then, you know, LT recovers, they kick a field goal, they win 15-13. But, Coach, they show that replay. Roger Craig has both hands around the ball, okay, he's got his head down, he's fighting for extra yards, and, like, Leonard Marshall comes in with two arms and, like, cranks it out somehow. Like, like as a supernatural person. Roger Craig isn't a GOAT.
1: He was doing the right thing. That mm-hmm. was a GOAT. Mental mental mistake for not carry. Correct. Now, to be perfectly yeah. fair, and again, we're talking about game two right now, as the uh, New York Giants somehow, some way find their way into the Super Bowl. That's an amazing story. we got to get to that. But specifically on the Kyle Williams fumble that – Cost him the game in OT. Dog, help me out here because I didn't watch a whole lot of 49er football during the season. But he was not their nope. regular guy and not all that experience as a kick returner. Is that a correct?
0: Well, in college he kicked return. But, yeah, you're right. As a professional football player, he had not the kick return or punt return very often. And uh, their, their lead guy is Ted Wimble again. So, yeah, they didn't have Ted Ginn, who's lethal back there. Not only do they have a guy that's not as good of a weapon, they had a guy who was putting the ball on the ground. So that that mm-hmm. was that's the, it's a different. Is he a, is he a rookie? Player. Kyle Williams is. I would almost guarantee he's in the second year. Okay. The second year in the NFL. Okay. but I'm guessing on that. I can Oof. look
1: that up. That's gonna be a. He's gonna, that's gonna be a tough mental thing to overcome, and he can do it. I'm not gonna say it's gonna ruin his NFL career, but that's a tough thing to overcome. And again, if you're in an individual sport and you mess up painful no question about it but boy you when you're in a team sport and i don't know if there's a sport where you have more teammates than you do in football and you know you got i don't know if you look those guys in the eye but you feel responsible to all those other guys who put so much time into that's a tough thing for a kyle williams jr to have to put up with
0: yeah it is it is and and, and you know the, the you knew the four downs were going to play a close game that is no surprise to us we talked about it in the middle of the week so it is one of those things where, when you know you're going to be playing a game within one score, pretty much the whole entire game, uh, mistakes like that are going to be absolutely crucial. And that, you know, Jim Harbaugh decided to put an experienced guy back there mm-hmm. as his as punt returner. Yeah, I don't know if they had anybody else, but they're like, hey, this guy's a playmaker. He's got, he's really explosive. He had to have seen throughout the time that he didn't tuck the ball away, Coach. I doubt that was the first time Kyle Williams didn't actually put the ball underneath his arm properly.
1: Well, I will tell you this, watching, and I'll be the first to admit, I know they had a great season. I watched very little San Francisco 49er football during the season. But after watching them last week, and as the game developed this week, Big Dog, my second good look at the 49ers, I started to like this team more and more. Uh, old school, tough mm-hmm. Uh just the simple fundamental of tackling. I heard one announcer on radio say that they're really taught to run downhill on their tackles. I love that expression. It looks like they're, you know, going right through the tackle. They just do stuff. They're old school. They're 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 just a blue collar football team, the quarterback, you know, kind of a story where he was written off and now is, you know, maybe break it out of the shell. They got a legitimate running game. They don't have the showy wide receivers. So I found myself, uh, as the game developed, rooting more and more for the San Francisco 49ers. Appreciate their style of football.
0: Now, now Coach, you think I get excited and passionate about football on air. You, you've never even watched a football game with me. You have, you have no idea how I get it, into it. I'm so glad you brought up the 49ers tackling. And uh, the, somebody said downhill. That's a perfect example. I would stop the game and, and rewind and, and, and replay for these guys that were here. How when Bowman and Willis tackle you, if you watch around, if you watch highlights, you'll see sometimes when a guy hits somebody, they immediately like fall to the ground. So as they're tackling people, like their knees hit and then they drag, then they drag for a while. When you watch 49ers people, they drop their hips, they explode and they hit people and they keep driving their feet as they're running through the guy thats that they're tackling. Basically, like Bear Bryant would talk people back in the 1950s playing mm-hmm. for Alabama. I mean, it was a beautiful coach, right. Gorgeous, gorgeous tackling. <laughs>
1: It's almost a psychology where, you know, you're trying to tackle a receiver with the ball or a running back coming out of the backfield and there's the defender waiting to react. What's the running back going to do? I'm going to stay with you, you know, and I'm going to find a way to bring you down. Or there's the theory, you know, so I'm worried about what the running back's going to do. Or there's the theory of, hey, I'm going to be the aggressor defensively and the running back is going to have to worry about me. They come after the ball carrier, better than any team I've seen in a while. Just a little, little psychological difference in approach.
0: Uh, You know, that was, you know, you're exactly right. And to cut off angles when when you're the tackler, if you really are the aggressor, and not just blatantly going out there just to try to kill people, but to go out there and just be the aggressor to tackle somebody, you'd be surprised how hard you get to hit people too, but, you're, you're right, Coach. You cut angles off for people. You make it harder on the running back, and all of a sudden the running back is like, I have no place to go. Instead of, oh, I'm going to juke this guy to the ground. It's so much better to be an aggressor and the, as a tackler. so yeah. much better.
1: We're getting the big dog excited here, talking about cutting angles, dropping the hips dog might get into. I know it's happened before in other shows, but uh, somewhere along the way today, you might get down to the three-point stance and give a forearm shiver to a piece of furniture. Hopefully, there's nobody around the house right now.
0: Um, I, I just want to let you know that uh, <laughs> one more time in my life, Uh-oh. somebody was like, oh, I'd block you. So they did. we did the old pass pro thing, Coach, and uh, <laughs> I threw a palm right in somebody's chest yesterday, and they went right around and then I just stopped and walked and sat down as yeah. everybody laughed, and was I she... just continued to drink more bourbon.
1: Was she... <laughs> Was she okay afterwards? Yeah, she was. <laughs> and I was like, Grandma, come
0: on. Seriously, because she, my grandma talks smack, Coach. Okay, uh, so don't worry. Grandma Ella's going to be all right.
1: Yeah. By the way, one uh, player, you know, I, the more I watch, the more I appreciate different players, the punter. So the punter for the San Francisco 49ers, Andy Lee.
2: Yeah.
1: Off. I mean, you know, I, Ray Guy, Reggie Roby. This guy might be the best guy I've seen in a long time. He just absolutely I, I, hammers the ball.
0: I, you know, you're right. I, I I knew that the 49ers were kicking the ball well, okay? And I, the 49ers haven't been on national television that much this year. And when they were on against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the lights went out, so it was hard to watch the game. I thought Shane Leckler was the best punter in the game of football. But after watching the 49ers the last two games, the best punter yep. in the game of football is the all first-team all-pro punter for the 49ers, yep. Andy Lee. Yep. And my goodness, he's their best offensive player.
1: Uh, you know, the best – Compliment I can give Andy Lee as a blind person. A blind person could pick out Andy Lee as the best punter in the NFL. I mean, there, there's a nice little snap, crackle, pop when he hits that puppy, but uh, not that he was a big difference in that game. But, uh, hey, Giants, no, no, find he a way to win, Big though, We're talking about a team. Uh, David Olsen, we remember back, what, uh, early November, about the midpoint of the season, Giants went into a lose streak. I remember talking about a coach. You know, we had a little segment, which coaches could go. Tom Coughlin. At that point, he was a candidate to be fired, and the Giants were headed downhill. It's amazing. It's amazing that they are now in the Super Bowl.
3: And he is now, and I could have the statistic wrong, but he has now won more road playoff games than any other coach in history. Wow.
0: That, that would make sense. Because if you think about it, because Eli Manning has the most road playoff wins of any quarterback in history. So, uh, and if I'm. They, I know Jacksonville Jaguars when Tom Coughlin was uh, coaching there. He won as the Jacksonville Jaguars at Denver. Do you guys remember that game in 1996? And that's a road win right there. So that's mm-hmm. a couple more besides all that he has with Eli Manning as the quarterback right now.
3: Right, I think he, I think he surpassed Tom Landry. <laughs> well, that's always good. Whatever. Like Landry, Lombardi, you pass guys like that on the list,
0: you're doing all right.
1: Well, Landry, one of my favorite coaches of all time. I think Tom Coughlin, uh, and again, compliments to him. He finds a way to get his Giants team into the Super Bowl. He's improved. You know, players can improve. Well, coaches can improve, too, and nobody ever doubted his X's and O's. Nobody ever doubted his ability to work hard. His problem was relationship with the players. He was so tight-fisted and just so intense. And he's improved in that area, Big Dog. He listened, and not that he's the most user-friendly coach, but I do think in the last five years he's softened a little bit, developed some relationships with the players, and the players are playing hard for him.
0: Yeah, they're a well-coached team, Coach. Yep. I don't know what it is about the Giants. Every year they're going to lay an egg, and I think it's maybe something with the New Jersey Mafia. They make sure they blow one game a year at home. (laughs) But it's true, don't they? They always blow one game a year at home to a team that they should absolutely destroy. I'm talking every year this happens. It happened again this year when Seattle was playing as the worst team in football at the beginning of the season. And all of a sudden, they won in New York. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, Tom Coughlin's on the hot seat. And then next thing you know, they they end up having an unbelievable finish to the season. It pretty much happens every year. That's the New York Giants, isn't it? Or or they start out incredible, and then they come hammering down. They can't play two halves of the season. Well, luckily for them, this particular year, they played the second half of the season a lot better than the first half. Mm-hmm. Right. And they only have nine regular season wins, coach. No nine team win has ever won the Super Bowl, even when they used to have a 14 game season. I forgot about
1: that. They were only nine and seven during the regular season. Talking about back and in. Isn't that amazing. You know,
0: they were nine and seven, and we were like, man, you know, if the Bears the Bears were only one game worse than this team, and the, and the Bears played the last six games of their season,
1: yeah, but, you know, that that story has been repeated over and over again now in professional sports, be it hockey, NBA basketball, or, uh, you know, baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals this year. We've seen it so much. I'd say really the last, you could probably go back 10 years, you know, talk about some wild-card NFL teams that have won the Super Bowl, but teams that uh, in the regular season were okay. They barely got in, wild-card, 9-7 and seven record, whatever. You get hot at the right time, you can win a championship. We're seeing that more. And more. I don't know if it's a good thing. But we are seeing that more and more in professional sports.
0: You know, it's it happened in football, baseball, and hockey a lot. It hasn't ever happened in basketball, unless you consider the Dallas Mavericks last year, okay? But I don't think that was. I thought that they played just like yeah. they had all season. Yeah. You're, and you're exactly right, Coach, and you're also a guy that has uh, trumpeted the fact that regular season accomplishments yes. should be appreciated a little bit more. Yes. And you're not saying the Bears winning a four-team NFC North, you're talking about like, oh, if a team has the number one overall record in a, mm-hmm. in a conference or something like that. Yeah, and I can appreciate that, but quite honestly, the more and more that it happens where, because this society is so, uh, so much about the championship, you know what I mean? That really means everything, which I understand. I'm not ripping it or anything, but that's, that's just the way it is, and since so many teams it seems where the, the ideal situation isn't to be the Packers and be the best team all year and coast into the playoffs, but it's to be the team that has to fight for every inch of their life and play uh, one-and-done football at the, for the last couple of regular season games in order to get in, and then all of a sudden they're used to play football and, and now they're a champion. So And if the Packers did it last year. The, the Steelers have done it a couple times in 05 and 08. You talk about the Cardinals. that Not only this year, Coach Cardinals in 06. You know, think about the Cardinals. They won 83 play- They won eighty-three games, Coach, mm-hmm. and they won the World Series.
1: Get hot at the uh, right time. Pontification of the pigskin variety with our uh, football expert, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. You want to check in, talk to the big dog, 888-463-6748. It's always a good news, bad news when you call up. The good news is we get you right out. You don't have a long wait. The minor bad news is you do have to suffer through the Uh, brief, but, uh, what can be painful discussion with our producer, David Olson, but it's short, it's quick, and we give you a little Nova came before that, so it's really not that bad. Uh, 888-463-6748, the phone number, um, big dog, the other game, of course, uh, New England knocking off Baltimore. I haven't talked much about that. I got two comments. One, you know, just horrible to see Billy Cundiff miss that field goal. I mean, just brutal. Now he's got to live with that for the, you know, his entire life basically but i was curious when they came back to the announcers you know and even asked the um the color guy you know what went wrong on the kick and he, he couldn't quite figure it out was well, pretty simple if you watch it billy cundiff's legs is like sweeping hook of a, you see where his leg follows through
0: yeah 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 they it's, it's the the camera they got nowadays it was like 30 seconds
1: later. They're like, yeah, this is why he hooked it. Well, I, <laughs> You're right. yeah, You're I mean, right. I never heard the full analysis. I'm saying it was pretty easy. You could actually break it down technically. This is kind of the definition of a choke. He changed his basic fundamentals. You know, the ball goes where you follow through. We all learn that in all sports. Well, he just absolutely swung his leg from the be right to left way too much. His follow through was east, west, not north, south.
0: Yeah, and he seemed to, like, try to caress it through instead of just bang that thing
1: right
0: through the middle of it. Yeah. That's the one thing, bang it through. Just hit that thing hard. Take a deep breath, relax,
1: and, you know, like you always do. Oh, that was painful, painful to watch. I'm glad you brought up Lee Evans. I have not listened to a lot of the talk. I was assuming that, you know, most of it's going to be on Billy Cundiff. Billy Cundiff, one of the great chokes in playoff history. But uh, I don't know, has there been much discussion? Because there certainly should. Lee Evans, he had the football, in my opinion, big dog. It was not so much the strip of Sterling Moore. It was Lee Evans caught it, and I think he had it in his possession and relaxed for a second, maybe a half a second. But he relaxed a little bit, and receivers should be taught maintain solid possession through the entire catch. He relaxed, similar to Kyle Williams' mental mistake. I think Lee Evans made a mental mistake as well.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, but Sterling Moore, by the way, again a guy off a practice squad came in, made that play, and then the play after the play that he knocks the ball out of Lee Evans' hand, he knocks a he blocks the ball that uh, that Pita, Pita kid would have caught. Where Joe Flacco threw the dumbest pass of the entire yes. weekend. That oh, that, when he threw the ball, the whole house erupted. I mean, I'm not kidding you. You we got were like an that. easy
1: field goal to tie the game. I am glad you brought that up. I appreciate the fact. Very underrated here. John Harbaugh, or whoever the offensive coach was, or a Flacco himself, but they did not play it safe. They, you know, they had the field goal to send it in you, overtime. You, you got, got a young quarterback. The
0: there. I mean, the
1: Patriots, you got to beat the Patriots there, coach. It was the right call what? to go for the touchdown. Easy for you to say, sitting there, and big dog. I think not, a, when a, not when a field goal only ties you, coach. I think a lot of coaches and a lot of teams would have played it a lot more conservatively. I and appreciate they would,
0: and they would be wrong, and they would be wrong. And you well, and I would be I, right by realizing that going for the touchdown there, yeah, is is a, a better percentage play. Well, and playing for the field goal, and then today, hey, Tom Brady, here's a chance. We're we'll going overtime with Tom Brady.
1: I, I agree oh. with you, Big Doug. My point is, I don't think most teams, most players in that situation, I think most tend to tend to play it safe. It, it's hard to be aggressive under that kind of pressure. I kind of agree with your philosophy, but on the other hand, the quarterback needs to be told, just like Kyle Williams needs to be told, or understand that we're hey, we're going to go for it. We're not going to play it safe, but you know. S- the guy's got to be open. You cannot throw any dangerous passes, and he threw two down there, including the one you're talking about that never ne- – and Joe Flacco had a good game. But those two passes uh, never should have been thrown, absolutely. Ooh.
0: Oh, that ball po- that po- – I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, there were pe- I- there were people in this house that are Mexican and have watched like 10 football games in their entire <laughs> life, and they were like, well, why'd he throw it? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That just cracks me up. That was that. He really got away with one. So, and then the next, thing you know, you put it on the leg of Billy Cundiff, and and he misses it. And, yeah. uh, so that's yeah, I do feel it's a, a long, little tiny, just a tiny bit. There.
1: Long off bit. season for Billy Cundiff and for uh, Lee Evans. And, and now, Lee
0: Evans, when the game started, I like when the, they're like, "Hey, Lee Evans is going to be playing." I was like, "Lee Evans is, didn't retire this year; he's still in the NFL." And people, <laughs> they laughed, and then I was like, "No, seriously, guys, he only had four catches all year." You, know, you could end up having the greatest year of your career going to the Super Bowl. Lee Evans never even sniffed the Super Bowl in years where he had like 10 touchdowns. That's uh, all he needed to do. He could have had a one reception, one touchdown game in the AFC Championship and you're exactly mm-hmm. right, Coach. Sterling Moore, I'm going to tip my hat to you again. You made the play, but there was no reason why Lee Evans had to have that ball stripped out. If you really... but Did he get lax? He hadn't caught the ball enough this year to realize that in the NFL, you got Guys out there that are paid to knock the ball
3: out of your hand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had clear possession. Clear possession. With course. both feet on the ground in the end zone. But, uh, let me ask you this, Big Dog. Under the old rules, would that have been a touchdown?
0: Just to let you know, Mike Ferreira came out. They've already talked about this. Uh, the ball started to come out as the left foot, the second foot was coming down. Okay. So that's, that's why they, they, the replay official looked at it real quick, and they're like, no, it was coming out. There was no reason. If It would have lasted for even a split second longer, technically. You know, there's a the whole completion of the catch thing, Coach, which we all understand, okay? It's a little different in the end zone. Like, if somebody knocked it out after you have two feet in possession of the ball, it's actually a touchdown. There's nothing you can do. And if somebody knocks it out, it ain't like Calvin Johnson, which got you all irritated, where... Nobody knocked it out, and he yep. lost it as he was coming down and coming back up, yep. which, which, to be honest with you, that's a lot less than what happened to, to Lee Evans. But if Lee Evans would have held on to the ball technically for about a half a second more, then all of a sudden it, it gets into the gray area of, wow. yes, he had possession, and it, he would have controlled it through the catch as long as the guy didn't knock it out, and it could have been a possession. But everyone, like Raven fans, are going crazy saying, "Why wasn't it reviewed?" And the NFLs come back said, "Yeah, we reviewed it, and it took us one view to see. Hey, the ball was knocked out before the left foot was totally down in mm. possession."
1: That that, that description is not going to make Lee Evans feel any better in the offseason.
0: No, no, because all they needed uh, that's even worse, coach. Wow. It's even worse. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Eight 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 four six three
1: six seven four eight. Talk of the two. Championship game, we have our Super Bowl compatriots. we got a lot of other news to get to, Big Dog, but uh, real quick, let's do two things. One, I want to predict the point spread. David, I don't know if you've got it up there yet. New England against the Giants, obviously, on a neutral field. And then, two, we got to figure out beat the Schmoes. Me and David, were uh, it's, it's rare when we're both confused. Typically, either David's confused or I'm confused. Today, uh, this morning, we had group confusion. Mm -hmm. It was very nice. I got a lot closer to David Olson at about two minutes to the start of the show this morning. But the whole over, under, under, over, I was over, David, he was under, then he went over and I was under. We were were having a good old time, but we couldn't quite figure out what the hell was going on. What was the over-unders in the two games?
0: The New England, the one that we went on and not what it went off on. What we went on was uh, the New England game was 50 and the – San brand game was 42, 42. even though okay. it went off in real life at 50-and-a-half for the New England right, so
1: the under-covered in Baltimore, New England, and the one I predicted I lost by, a, what was the final of San Francisco Giants? It was 20-17, to 17, so oh, that was done. so I got I thought it was 23-20. Okay. All right, so then let's see. On Beat the Schmoes, Dog, you picked New England.
0: No, no, I didn't. You picked and Baltimore?
1: Beat the schmoes, oh, that's that's, I that's right. I'm sorry. You picked Baltimore, so you covered... Newt, San Francisco, no, and yet, so you went two and one. Yeah. Your ninth, uh, nine out of ten winning weeks for you. Not bad. Against the spread.
0: And sprint. I'm at 59% for the year, which I still have a shot at 60%. It's unbelievable. For the entire season.
1: Nine out of the last ten weeks. A lot of two and ones in there, but nevertheless, the consistency big dog. Absolutely amazing. David Olson. rare bad week, huh? One and two, alright, not that bad. He thought he might have been 0 and three, and I went. I had New England, I lost, I had the Giants, I won, I had the, so I went 2-1. and one. And you know me, Big Doug, I've already had a losing season. I'm I'm basically playing for next year and trying to build momentum for 2013.
0: No, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just trying <laughs> to get to 60%. That's all I want. That's all I want. Just to let you know, we've already did, I already did the guessing game, and I guess what the points were would be last night, uh, and I mean, now you're smarter than and, me, so let me. It came out this morning. I just want to let you know. Right, hold
1: on, don't, I was off by a half a point. Half a point. Don't tell, because you're better at this than me. And I uh, tell me if you agree with this statement: if Frisco would have won the game, it's a lot tighter point spread. Um, I think, because I, I quite frankly, so I thought San
2: Francisco Giants, so
0: coach. A I, lot of people better. By the way, the Giants' point spread was down to two. To one and a half. Okay. Everybody bet on the Giants yesterday. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, really, I'm going to say uh, New England. Three.
0: That was what I guessed, Coach. Two? And New England's a three and a half point favorite.
1: Three and a half.
3: I've oh, got, a, I've like got three. I've got a three point. New England's a three point favorite.
0: Okay. Cool. There you go. Three. Okay. What, what, would you, what did you guess, David? I didn't. Did you, but... did you? Did you? Look, I just want to know if you had it hmm. All
1: right. Will that be a bet up or down? New England three-point favorite as the week goes on. We have any injury? We got the Gronkowski injury to keep an eye on because that could affect the point spread. Yeah,
0: he's going to be all right.
1: And who else for the Giants? Hakeem Nix looked like uh, he had a rib and an ankle.
0: You know what, though? I think that that will not affect the point spread or or the games whatsoever because those are like injuries that, hey, those guys just got those injuries. Oh, they're hurt. Well, how many other guys were playing with injuries in the games for both those teams yesterday? That they already had existing injuries. They have two weeks to get healthy. Yeah. Let's, let's not even worry about uh, Nix or Gronkowski. Okay. And Gronkowski might be the happiest uh, person on the planet. Would you agree, Coach? If you seen him speak yet, he does not stop smiling. It's so freaking hysterical.
2: <laughs> I have
1: uh, not. He's seen...
0: just like, you, yeah, I'm just happy to be here." And the way he talks is like he really is thinking about what he's saying before he actually says it. It's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) A couple other quick news and notes before we uh, move on from the pro football where a lot of other stuff happened. But just on the coaching front, Big Dog, it looks like Joe Philbin is the leading candidate for the Miami Dolphin job. Can you imagine uh, your son tragically dies at the age of 21, and a week later you are interviewing an elite candidate for the job that you've always dreamed of, your first head coaching job. it just The emotions, obviously the tragedy, much more significant than any coaching job, but an amazing week, sadly, for Joe Philbin.
0: Uh, the 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 Miami ownership had talked to him, and they're like, uh, so we understand what you're going through. And they're like, do, do you think you would be able to coach next year? And they're like, that's all I want to do, and I kind of want to get out of Green Bay. And he had talked to the family, and they were like, yes, please. Let's just, they wanted to get... I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Be the best thing that ever happened to that family is mm. the, not that there's anything wrong with Green Bay or Wisconsin or anything like that, but it's just kind of be almost like a fresh start. You know, what there's, I mean, obviously there's no,
1: ice, no ice fishing in the Miami.
0: No, no, not so ever. Obviously, their son and their brother, you know, is not going to ever be yep. with them. It's not like he won't live on with them. Yep. So, in some strange way, that's I'm really happy for yep. that.
1: I'm with you. on that yep. Indianapolis uh, looking couple of college coaches are. are Maybe lead candidates for job: the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Trussell, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Checking out Oregon's very own Chip Kelly.
0: Chip Kelly said he does not want to have his uh, offense exposed to the NFL just yet. He wants to make he wants to make some more millions with Oregon before he actually goes and makes a boatload of money in the NFL and he gets fired. You know, so he hopes, like he'll, hopefully for him he's thinking about winning uh two or three more Pac Ten championships over the next five or six years while while uh SEC uh oh, excuse me USC mm-hmm. is starting to get back. He can win one national title and if he does, he'll get a huge payday in the NFL. He'll get like a six year forty million dollar package coach. So and he
1: about, ha- he has definitively turned down Tampa Bay, your sources? Yeah. Yes, yes. Your sources yes, have told you.
0: And you know, about game five, a week of uh, the season two, they're gonna be like, this guy's horrible and they're gonna fire him. With $30 million owed to him on the contract. Watch. I'm, 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 I'm predicting his future five or six years from now when we're still doing
1: this show. Uh-huh. Interesting. All right. Cart that up, David. We'll save it for five years. All right. More significantly, one of the, uh, and I'll say, I'll make the statement. Absolutely. One of the all time great coaches, pro college, high school, you name the sport. One of the great coaches of all time at the age of 85 passed away over the weekend. Big dog, Joe Paterno, 46 years. Coaching forty six years, Penn State University, but Joe Pop pa passed away. Everybody's making their comments, but uh, the bottom line is one of the great coach of all time. Passes away. Yeah, it's 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 too bad
0: that a decision by him has to basically wreck his whole uh, legacy and the, and the aura around uh, Joe Paterno, but it it, it has and. Whether I mean it's too bad that we just can't use Joe Paterno as like this shining example of everything that's good about college athletics and education, but we can't do that anymore because his yeah. decision not to come forward. And it's I mean, can we really? Can we? Or is it? Yeah. Or is Joe Paterno the greatest example of if you really are a man of integrity, you have to do it with, through everything, and if you don't, eventually one day you'll you'll be shamed. If you know what I mean, if you don't truly live exactly how you taught thousands of young people throughout your entire life. Mm-hmm. And he's affected so many people positively, and then at the end you're like, wow, this guy yes. that I learned so much from and tried to pattern myself after has had moments of, not even moments, but a, a, a decade of basically just turning his back to something.
1: Yeah, and I don't even know how conscious he was or conscious the decision was. Let me remind people out there that Joe Paterno was not the one found guilty of any wrongdoing?
3: So, I mean, he, was,
1: he wasn't the one who molested the kid. I just want to no, remind you. No, he's people.
3: the one that covered it up for 10 years.
1: Well, yeah. so I, on, you know don't,
0: what? Don't tell me. He, okay, so in 2005 when they go, the, the January of 06, they go play one of the best teams in the country, Florida State, and he figures out a way to, to stifle their particular offense and move the ball on their defense. But, but at that time, he didn't have enough faculty to figure out that it's bad that somebody raped a boy in his football, uh, building. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's really, really, I I have, I'm so conflicted about this coach.
2: I'm so conflicted because
0: the man was held to the highest standards of class and integrity. And he, and he expected his players to live up to, you know, if you come to Penn state, you graduate and then you go out and you get a job and then you do what I did, which is make an impact on people's lives, which is great. And then you find out all then this happens, like one of the greatest of all heinous things that could happen. And, and you can say, "Yeah, he didn't do it." I know he didn't do it, Coach. But it's you know, it's I'm like watching this, and I'm like, "Man, this is like one guy I would have loved to have just, you know, like been able to tell my kids about and all this." I mean, like, what am I going to tell my kids? Joe Paterno was a lesson. So if you, you know. You don't just expect, oh, this guy's a great person because everybody else says he's a great person because you don't know the type of stuff that's really behind those doors. It's like just another thing of be careful who you idolize and worship yeah. nowadays, everybody, because Joe Paterno is nowhere near the man that we thought he was. And yeah, sure I don't care what anybody now, says. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, one mistake. Well,
1: that, that's a pretty bad mistake, Coach. I'll disagree with you there. I think he's close to the man that we thought he was. I agree with you. It's a shame that uh, it happened at the end and there's some fault on his part. I just, uh, uh, I'm less conflicted than you are. And keep in mind, I'm not saying I'm not conflicted. I'm just significantly less conflicted than you and some of the media. And I think the media have hyped people up a little bit. There's the negative there, but to me, it does not wash away the many great things that the guy did, the way he's influenced people's lives. And, uh, you know, been a, not just a great X's and O's coach, but you talk to the players that played for him. Pretty good influence on their lives, taught them the good lessons and stuff like that. That does not take away. Again, he was not the one who did the molesting. How much he actively covered up, consciously, deceivingly, covered up, I still question, uh, you know, the conscious Cover up, for lack of a better word, of Joe. Per- I don't want to get in the whole thing, but I don't think there was sure. this big conspiracy thing with Joe. Pa, I think it was out of sight, out of mind. It was a mistake. He shouldn't have done that. But forty-six years of great work. I, the best way I can sum it up, Big Doug, I'm a lot less conflicted than you and many of the other people out there.
0: Okay, I, I can appreciate that because yeah, heck, he was the embodiment of everything you wanted a uh, you know a college coach slash educator to be. Because that's, that's the way it always seemed to be. You know the the Penn State guys. You know their football team. They always got away with a lot more than you would ever think. They always had the choir boy, choir boy uh, reputation. But everything I've ever heard, like reading Brian Bosworth's book, they were talking about how everyone said at Oklahoma we were crazy and wildy. Like you know when we played uh, Penn State in the, in the Orange Bowl, those guys were out every single night partying and getting in fights in the streets, and you know and everybody acting like we were the bad guys. And that wasn't the first time I'd ever heard this about, like, Penn State football players. It's, it's just strange that before any of this stuff happened, okay, Penn State always had this long and storied tradition of covering up incidents in their football program, and and nobody would ever be ever uh, suspended in terms of, what do you call it, uh punishment. Punishment was running stairs and stuff for, for Paterno. So they, it's funny, they, you know, he was class, and he was, oh, look. Well, it comes out that, you know what, maybe he didn't cheat, maybe he didn't pay players, you know, and his players graduated, but you know what, there was a, you know, if his, if his player beat up a, a guy at a party that, that was looking at his girlfriend, well, he didn't even care. Stuff like that happened perennially. Traditionally at Penn State, it was always covered up by paternal. So I don't think he's as, as first class as you. I think he's more win at all costs. And part of winning is to act like, hey, you know, you got to do it. You have to have character and yes, attitude, leadership, you know, discipline. So I, I, to me, he's like almost turned into like a joke of what everything is wrong about college football.
1: Joe Paterno uh, passing away at the age 85 over the weekend. David Olson, producer. We give David a lot of responsibilities. Amongst them, our medical expert here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. I haven't heard this talked about, but I'm curious, what part? I mean, the, the guy had his health problems, but never, you know, it was the hip or the foot. Joe so Paterno
0: could beat any health problem coach. Exactly. Dad, what
1: what part did this demise of his coaching career have into the fact that his health diminished so quick? Coincidence? Uh, a little bit? Direct?
3: No, 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 no. I think, I think what he was going through contributed to it 100%. Direct correlation. Oh, oh absolutely. Let me, absolutely. Let, let
0: me confirm it for both of you guys. Brent Musburger, when talking about the legendary coach yesterday, flat out said, he asked coach, why do you keep on coaching? And Paterno responded to Brent Musburger, I saw what happened to Bear Bryant and I don't want to die. And he says, I don't like, I don't like to golf. He, He said, blah, 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 blah. He's like, all I like to do is coach football and hang out here at Penn State. He's like, I will die if they take it away. Todd Blackledge flat out said he died of a broken heart, which I agree. Wow. And then, and then Lou Holtz said, you know, he brought up Bear Bryant. I remember Bear Bryant, and this happening because I'm a diehard Illinois fan. The Illinois played Alabama in, in Bear Bryant's last game. Forty days after the Liberty Bowl, he died. Bear Bryant died, and uh, Lou Holtz said, off camera, he brought this up yesterday. As soon as they fired uh, Joe Paterno. He turned to Reese Davis and Mark May and said, "The man has less than six months to live." Wait, New who, who said that? Lou Holtz.
1: Wow. I'm assuming that was off air.
0: Yes, yes, definitely off air. We don't need any more, uh, you know, incidents. Yes. Oh, by the way, in, you know, we talked earlier. There's incidents that ESPN has had on air recently. because mm-hmm. they do a lot of live stuff now, where some of the stuff that's been said on air is unbelievable. That they've gotten away with it's pretty funny coach
1: i e so, dot, dot dot
0: um the other day well you know you know the whole uh, Lee Corso when he put on was about to put on the yep. headgear and he yep. decided to change anything <laughs> blanket yeah okay well the other day they had Cuba goody junior on and they had uh Linda Cohn was having Cuba Gooding junior imitate great blow ups in the history of, <laughs> of sport blow-ups. so you had Mike gundy. Uh, oh, man, I'm 40, so Cuba Gooding does that. And one of your favorites, Coach, practice? We're talking about practice by Allen Iverson? <laughs> playoffs? Okay.
2: Playoffs? Okay,
0: We're talking well, about playoffs? Well, he, of course, yes, you're exactly right. They uh, He did the Jim Morrow rant. He did that one. He did the Herb Edwards. Um, you play to win the game. That one that was on there. But when he did the Allen Iverson one, he goes, hey, and then you rock out with your – and he said – the rest of the saying. Uh-oh. Okay, I am not kidding you. Like, Linda tone, like, turned the... She Immediately, it was so professional, I can't even explain how professional. It was awesome. <laughs> you wouldn't even notice he said it. I'm not kidding you. Uh-huh. And then, you know how ESPN, they always replay the stuff like an hour later? Yeah. That never even happened. They edited it out. It never even happened. My buddies, I would just crack it up. I was like, because I had to pause it and rewind it for them. They're like, Cuba Gooding Jr. just said that on live
1: television. So they, they show the Cuba bit, but not... They took out the bad part.
0: Yeah, they took okay. out they took that part out. So, uh, yeah, I started to change the 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 tune of from Joe Paterno to people saying nasty stuff on television. I thought
1: but, I thought you know where I thought Big Dog was headed with the Cuba Gooding thing. I thought he was gonna do the Mike Singletary pulled on his pants speech oh, yeah. in the locker. Remember that uh, I know, with Linda we, Cohn? No, that would have been interesting.
0: Yeah, that would that would have been good. (laughs) Wasn't that that
1: his the first (laughs) his first game he ever coached, Mike Singletary? Yeah, he
0: pulled his pants down. Yeah, he pulled his pants down. (laughs) Mike Singletary, it it cracks me up. That what's the Alice Smith, What's the difference between Jim Harbaugh and Mike Singletary? Well, Harbaugh coaches us, and Mike Singletary taught us life lessons. Yep.
1: We still one of the one of the greatest moments that very few people have ever heard. My old radio partner Seth Marks, he could do stuff off the cuff. And you remember when Alonzo Spellman was taking the walk on the wild side?
0: Yes, and they called it Mike Singletary to to calm down. Yes, and Spellman
1: had locked himself into the house with the babysitter. My uh, partner off the cuff with you know.
0: No, 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 not the babysitter, the publicist, coach.
1: Yes, yes, and he did. uh, He he. He did his impersonation of Mike Singletary trying to talk Alonzo Spellman out of the place. It was absolutely hilarious. But uh, I don't know. I got to dig it somewhere. Somewhere that's you on a tape somewhere. But I got to
0: find I, that one for yeah. me because that that would be good, Coach. Yeah. Now, I would like to do like a recap of the last thirty years in, uh-huh. in Chicago sports. Yep, that would be excellent.
1: He also did a horse race call. Uh, I've heard
0: that one. Used to play that all the time. Where he yes. was. That that was, that had it, that was well written. That was phenomenally well written. It was, it was as good as anything Abbott and Costello could do. I'm not kidding you how well that was done. David, do
1: we have the, do we have the ability to play, uh, do we have the ability to play cassette tapes over there? We do not. (laughs) Okay. Then we'd have to take this cassette. Can we put a cassette tape on a CD?
3: Yeah, we can do that. Okay. And then play that. Yeah, we've got, we've got, but we have to pull the cassette deck out of Mothballs to do it. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But we can, we can do it. You get the okay. cassette, and we'll put it on CD for you. All right, moving on yeah, real quick, was,
1: big dog. In the uh, the world of college basketball, we do have to mention some great games over the weekend, but uh, most significantly, number one ranked team in the country knocked off the Notre Dame fighting. Irish get it done. Down. Down goes Syracuse. Only Murray State is undefeated at this point.
0: You know, you kept telling me about this guy, Fab Mello, Coach. And I am like, what is Coach talking about? Is he talking about, like, was it Carmelo Anthony's, like, Brother or something like that with a nickname. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And then and then I watched the Syracuse Notre Dame game and I found out it was a real person who was academically ineligible for a couple of games. It was it was funny. Syracuse was just oh they just came out with a statement and they're like we're not going to let him play for a couple of days. He, we just have to figure out some academic issues with him. Yeah. It was it was basically what that is not what it said exactly, but they didn't give any reason besides like he he might not be eligible. We might have to basically give away about. 20 wins this
1: season. Shot blocker and rebounder extraordinaire. Syracuse clanked up a bunch of shots. My uh, uh, my favorite funny moment celebration, the, the Notre Dame fans stormed the court. Well, a kid from Glenbrook North, Alex Dragovich, pretty good player.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Kind of a strange-looking dude, though. He's got a weird, I don't know, have you seen him play? Uh,
0: it Coach, it's only a little bit during the Notre Dame-Syracuse
1: okay. game this week. He, he's, let's just put it this way, he's not exactly Mr. Charismatic. But he does play for Notre Dame. Anyhow, so as the game is ending, he's at the free-throw line. Okay, and the final, the ball bounces out or whatever, the final buzzer goes off. And the Notre Dame fans, they show on the baseline, storming the court. And Dragovic is at the free-throw line. He's like the first one there. He's got his arm raised, waiting for the adulation. It's hilarious. The entire crowd runs by Dragovic. Over to center court with the rest of the Notre Dame team. As Dragovic is looking around, he turns around, and finally he has to go sprinting and join the big masses at center circle. <laughs> it was a very minor thing, but I appreciate the humor of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been pretty funny. His, hey, they're
1: coming to adulate me. His, his greatest moment. Another little uh, celebration moment that I picked out. I don't know if you caught this or not. Vernon Davis, the Mercurial one had some yeah. problems in his past he also had one of my favorite moments in recent history when he came off the field last week after the big touchdown in tears crying like a baby because of the emotion of the moment that's a beautiful thing when he caught his second touchdown huge touchdown at the time he does his little cel- you know pushes his teammates away does a celebration dance i hate that and then he uh, does you know hug and congratulate various teammates alex smith the quarterback the one who threw him the perfect pass is uh-huh. about the sixth or seventh guy to come down. He I I don't know if it was intentional or not, but he absolutely goes by Alex Smith without any acknowledgement on Smith is just standing there kind of with his arms up. Again, I don't know if it was significant or not, but I thought it was curious.
0: I I do I noticed that that, that was the last catch of the game for Vernon Davis. Did
1: you did notice that?
0: Yeah, it was, no, I was I just I do know that, that was the last catch of the game for Vernon. He didn't catch anything after that.
1: But you didn't notice, uh, Alec? No, him. I did notice notice. So okay. I'm, I'm telling you, coaches that that was the biggest
0: play of the game. He dissed Alec Smith, and now says, like, I'll show you what's up. You're going to ignore me. I'll ignore uh, you when you're wide
1: open. I don't know if that's the case. No, I was making that up. Okay. Okay. All right, back to college basketball real quick. 45-game home winning streak. What a phenomenal game. Florida State University. Leonard Hamilton and the boys, they can play at Duke. 45-game home streak. A buzzer beater to win it. For the Seminoles, I almost had the Sun Devil. For the Seminoles, big dog, did you get a chance to watch that shot?
0: Yeah, I, I watched that whole game. That game, I was doing the, I was doing the, the like the, the worker on the house, and that was going on. The last couple minutes of that game, I had to sit down and just absorb. Oh my goodness, coach! It was a couple dunks by Florida State to get them back into the game and electrify everybody, and then uh, after. Uh Duke did a great job of tying the ball game with about 10 seconds to go. Florida yep. State rushes down the court. Actually, about five seconds to go. Uh, whoever was the point guard for Florida State drives the lane, yep. kicks out to a wide-open guy on the, on the baseline, and he just swishes a three. What
1: a clutch yeah. shot.
0: Yeah, people in Duke were dumbfounded.
1: What a clutch shot. A couple of great games right there, a couple of great celebrations. Of course, Florida State didn't have a – the crowd storming on to watch the players celebrate that was, uh, good indeed, because I'm sure they've lost the Duke many and many a time over the year. Uh, your Illinois fighting a line 19, the Big Ten continues to be a tremendous conference. Illinois loses to Wisconsin. Everybody's kind of getting negative on Illinois. Big Dog, ah, they've lost two in a row. The Ohio State win was just a fluke. You know, I watched that game, uh, and I'm not as down on, I mean, and I can get down on Illinois and Bruce Weber a little bit. I actually thought they played a pretty good game. I saw some things. Wisconsin's a hell of a team. I don't think the loss was as bad as people are making it out to be. Uh,
0: Why does Jordan Taylor get eight years of eligibility? (laughs) Good point. That's ridiculous. That guy's been around forever. Okay.
1: Why does he look like the brother of Will Smith on uh, what TV show was that? Uh, Independence Day. No, no, no. The TV show that made Will Smith famous. Oh, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Yeah. He, he looks, looks like, was it, what's that
0: guy's
1: name? Was it Carl? Carlton. Yeah, Carlton. I just can't take Jordan Taylor serious because he looks too damn much like Carlton. So does, you know who else looks like Carlton? Have you checked who? out John Lucas the Third on the Bulls? Yes! Yes! Thank you, coach. Also hard Thank to take you. serious because I keep thinking it's Will Smith's brother.
0: That's, oh, okay, now I know who it is. Now, if he, if, if, if. John Lewis had grown the high-top fade. I would have said Carlton well before that. I would have. Coach. I would have figured it out.
1: Yeah. All right. But good college basketball over the weekend. We're going to skip over my Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, Chicago Bulls, big deal real quick. We'll mention then they continue to win. The injuries mount. That's a negative. But the positive, my goodness, the team chemistry, the passing, different guys stepping up the bench. The Bulls have been outstanding.
0: Yeah, the, the Bulls have been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Luol Deng has turned into one of the better players in the in the NBA this season. It's just not hyperbole. I mean, Coach, he really yeah. is playing at a high level. Yep. And, uh, you know, Carlos Boozer is never going to be able to live up to a max contract, which the which the Bulls gave him before last season. But it's good to see him playing at a high level like he has the last couple of games, especially with Derrick Rose out. Yep. So I, things, I, things are clicking for the Bulls right now, even though Taj is hurt, Joe Kim's hurt. John Lucas is hurt. CJ, well, CJ Watson is healthy. And, and Derek Rose, yeah, you know, people act like he's, uh, like a toe isn't a big issue. Uh, get, get his toe healthy.
1: Yep. Yep. Completely agree. The only, I, and I hate to put a negative moment on what such a great team is, but uh, my coaching instincts, my basketball intuition, and big dog, there's not many things I, I know, but, you know, basketball is one of those that I got a little bit of a feel for. Uh, Carlos Boozer. Against good teams in big games is going to hurt you more than yes, help you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, no. No, I know. I I agree. I hope I'm I wrong. Agree. But that's how I feel.
0: I, that's why I'm just like I'm just like just like hey, it's nice to see him play a, a string of good games in a row. But mm-hmm. you're right. It hasn't been it hasn't been clutch, and it hasn't been against good teams. A little, but let's face it, we've definitely needed him to play it as well. Uh, in the five games that Derek Rose hasn't been in, and he's played pretty well in those games. Okay.
1: So we have an email.
0: I've passed those boos are enough. I figured to be the one time that I was just yes. giving a tip of the hat. That yeah, he's
1: playing yeah, well lately. No question, he has been playing well. Absolutely. Uh, we had an email coming in from Not Lisa Leslie. Not okay. Lisa Leslie. Please ask the Big Dog what he's more excited about over the weekend. Uh, a, the fact that Kristen Cavallari and Jake Cutler are going to have a little baby. We don't know boy or girl yet, but apparently there is a pregnancy. Or B, Newt. Gingrich's victory in South Carolina again. That's from not Lisa Leslie.
0: Um, I mean, this that's just crazy what's going on in, uh, in the Republican Party. There's going to be a fourth person who wins the next uh, primary, coach. And it's really going to be thrown up for grabs. I think that's what's going to happen. So
1: uh, I'm, I'm still predicting a Chris Christie or someone else could go into the uh, could come into the mix. But I'm assuming you're not all that excited about Kristen Cavallari uh, bearing the fruits. Of her relationship with Mr. Jason Cutler?
0: You know, wasn't Cutler playing a lot better ball when she was out of his life?
1: Uh, well,
0: now that there's a baby. Guess what? She's she's going to be in his life forever now.
1: We hope. Mm-hmm. We hope. Partner, anyways. Partner, anyways. Okay. I can see Big Dog's all broken up about that. All right, we got about one minute left, Dog. you got a lot of notes on the uh, championship football games. Anything we did not... Get to in this uh, highly entertaining, if not somewhat efficient, fifty-seven minutes and twenty-seven six twenty-six seconds of sports talk. Anything we missed on the championship football? Uh,
0: All the stuff that we missed, we'll be able to uh, touch on the rest of the week because we we got two weeks to talk about the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. before that comes around. So uh, I was going to say they were pretty well played games, and again, it comes down to people who make mistakes. So, Mm -hmm. what were the mistakes I made in this show, Coach? Can you name any? On this show? Yeah.
1: Let's see. Uh, the Cuba Gooding moment uh, possibly slipped up right in about the 66th percentile of that particular conversation.
0: That's, that's too bad.
1: And I think uh, you might have mixed up the over and under early in the show. But outside of that, you were uh, a shining example.
0: Okay. Well, that's at least I did something good today, Coach. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I got to get. I got so much paperwork to do right now. It's not even funny. I hate paperwork, Coach. Yeah. I hate that.
1: Right. It the, more than anything, I got to call you off air. There. There's another potential gig we can do. I finally visited the restaurant across the street. Oh, you did? Yeah. That's the dominant They're, food court. It's I'll tell you, <laughs> a kitty corner across the street. Oh,
3: okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they want us to do a lunchtime remote over there. Outstanding jambalaya, also by the way.
0: Oh, that's, I can't eat enough of that stuff. Right, you, know you need that, to
1: come but. in on Fridays. That's the only day they're open for lunch. All right.
0: Big okay, Dog, be good. Enough.
1: We'll talk more on Residue Tuesday, okay?
0: Peace out, everyone.
1: All right. Big Dog doing paperwork. That's a scary thought. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. David Olson, our producer, great job as always. Have a great day tomorrow at 10. Don't be late. Two guys at a mic. Talkzone.com.